Okay, so um, my last thing, yes, I did it all. My last thing is how many of you are leaving for um, to go home or to go somewhere? You're not going to be in Athens after this Sunday until maybe the fall or maybe ever. Get Stand up if you're going somewhere. Just stand up. <laughs> okay, see, it's a lot of them. All right, so this morning as we were worshiping, um, there's a story that Steve Fish, who um, is our pastor that we're the church plan out of in Texas, and Steve told me when I first started at Convergence, he said, I want to be able to worship my God anywhere I go. I want to be able to worship my God anywhere I go. And I want that for you. And the way you get to be like that is about who you are, not the place you're worshiping. So we're really glad that you come to the awakening. It's a fun place. We like it. You girls, you're here for the first time. So we're, but we're really glad that y'all come here. It's, we have a great time and we do church one way and you will go places. I hope you go places to church and just meet God the way they meet God, you know, like ask him, Holy Spirit, what are you doing here? Be a blessing wherever you go. So if you're going home and you're not really into your parents' church, go anyway and worship your God wherever you are. So the Lord gave me this scripture in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. It says, Now the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we, we, with unveiled faces, behold as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. Where is the Spirit of the Lord? Is He here? Yeah, because we're here. He's with you. So take Him with you wherever you go. And be a blessing to that church. Be a blessing to those people. We hope you can come back in the fall, and it'll be super fun. But if you're going on to, to a new job or a new home, that's really exciting too. But, but when you're going away temporarily, there's this thing that happens where we're like, well, when I get back, I'll come back to church. Don't do that. Go. Be a blessing. Worship the Lord. Learn something. Learn something about who God is because you represent God a way that no one else does, as does everyone else. So learn from people. Ask him what he wants to teach you. Grow in your walk with the Lord this summer. And this is a season of growing up. You'll look back and be like, wow, I, was, I grew up a lot. That's what you'll think. I grew up a lot in the last 10 years. And really take advantage of it because you won't have this season again. So I just want to bless you to go and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. All right. Now, Jesse. Thank you. That was awesome. Was anybody here last uh, Sunday where Mark Snyder was here? So there was this moment um, where uh, Mark, I guess, just asked the Lord for encouragement for people in the body. He, he does it before he comes places. And 
um, he, he asked the Lord, he pre-recorded this video, and there was this video, he's like, there's going to be a guy with a goatee, with a blue hat, with a tat on his arm, and, and that's me. I, have, I was like, all those things. I was like sitting there. And then what he proceeded to share uh, was, was really dead on. I mean, he just, he, one of the biggest words over my life is just a, a calling similar to Peter's. Um, I've heard it just obsessively. God is obsessed with telling me that and reminding me with that. Um, and uh, anyways, so the, he shared this really, really encouraging and powerful word. And he always, um, just being around him always encourages me and reminds me of things that uh, God's asked me to do and to step out. Um, and we talk about this at AYA a lot. Um, for those of you guys who are there, it's like we want to, we really want to hear the voice of the Lord, not so that we can all become like world famous prophets. We just actually want to know God, right? We just want to, we want to hear from Him. We want to follow Him closely. You know, it's like it makes sense that we want to hear His voice. You know, it makes sense we can follow Him even more closely as we listen to Him. And so, as I was praying this morning, I just asked the Lord if. Uh, for some, for some words. These may or may not be here, but you know what? I'm going for it. So here we go. If uh, any of these four things resonate with you, uh, would you please stand up? So um, is there an atom here? Is there anybody who's related to an atom or in a relationship with an atom? Very close relationship. Not just like you know a guy, but an atom. Does the date April 10th, 1993... Meaning, is that anybody's birthday, or is that significant to anyone for any reason? Um, and does, is Blakely, Georgia significant to anyone in this room for any reason? Praise God. All right. So, <laughs> I encourage you to step out and to ask the Lord. You're never going to walk if you don't crawl. You're never going to sprint either, if you don't, if you don't crawl. So crawl with God. It's really fun. It's totally okay. So I need one of these chairs because I'm going to do, well, I think I'm going to be sitting. I don't know. I'm not real good at sitting, but I, um, this morning I am going to, um, let you guys in a little bit of journey of mine that I've been on with the Father, um, it uh, is vulnerable, but the good thing about when God deletes shame from your lifestyle, it's okay. It's like, I, uh, yeah, it's great. It's really vulnerable. Yeah, people totally might uh, judge me or, or think something different than I might want them to think, but gosh, I don't care. So um, I really encourage you, uh, if you feel the power of shame and condemnation in your life, get with Jesus. He will do a work about that. Okay, so I want to give you some context for some things that I'm going to share today. Some of you guys may know this or may not know this if you've been in a relationship with me or have heard me share testimony before. Um, but essentially, I was raised in a, uh, a very, very uh, religious church. Um, just not even, I mean, just didn't see a lot of active faith. Didn't see a lot of people engaged in relationship with Christ. Um, was a lot of morals and a lot of rules not a lot of active uh, relationship ongoing with Christ. Um, coming out of that, I learned really well how to work really hard to make other people think that I was good. I knew that I was bad. Uh, at least that was my mentality. I knew from an early age that something was wrong with me. 
um, that I was bad. I was a three-year-old even. Um, I would go around telling my mom that I was like, I'm not a bad boy. I'm not a bad boy. You know, I was like trying to avoid it from a very early age. Uh, I just, somehow this lie got lodged down in my little, my little boy spirit, and uh, it, it stayed there for, for a long time. And uh, it, it produced a lot of performance in my life. Um, if anybody else has ever tried to perform for love or worked really, really, really hard to be a good Christian and totally failed at it, uh, I got you. I really, I relate to that. that that's what I call the performance-oriented Christianity, uh, performance-driven lifestyle where you're just working so hard to try and please parents or please God or, or please anything and in fact, that's kind of anti-biblical. The reason that Jesus came is because we all fall short of the glory of God and that we, he had to come and do something about that. We needed him to come and make a way. Uh, our, our most amazing things we do before God, I believe the Old Testament says, are like um, bloody rags. So, you know, there's that. There's a real, um, that's a nice breakfast thing. Um, just, it's going to get meaty this morning. So I hope, I hope you brought your Bible um, I hope you've got something you can get in the Word with. Uh, this is, I'm sharing this about my journey because I want you to understand the context of like, this is a journey for me. I'm not rebuking our congregation. I am walking you through a journey that I am on with the Father. And I'm walking you through what He has been sharing with me, uh, again, obsessively. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if other people... If you have these experiences with God where you feel like the same thing keeps happening or the same moment or the same test, my good friend Jessica would always say, well, God, you don't fail tests with God. You just get to take them again. And so I feel, I, I swear to you guys, every time I'm, I'm encountering the Lord, this comes up for the past three months. I mean, I could be listening. Uh, me and Gracie were riding and listening to a, um, a Chris Valatin. He's one of the pastors at, at Bethel Church in Reading. He had this really great word um, about raising a, a family in a prophetic culture and just like teaching your kids from a young age that like listening to God is like a normal thing that a Christian should do. And um, meanwhile, I'm trying to process like what God's saying and I, I'm just totally getting like convicted. It's like this thing that God has been telling me and telling me and telling me every time, every time I open the Bible, every time I get with a friend and have amazing fellowship, every time I, I leave AYA, Every time, it's just like God just keeps saying the same thing again and again and again, bringing me back. Holy Spirit will do that in your life. He will bring remembrance, right? So back to my story a little bit for context. Learned a way of Christianity that I feel like is, is wrong, is not biblical, and it's not the gospel, um, where everything was on me, everything was on my effort, everything was on my ability, which is very small, uh, to produce righteousness in my life, um, and that if you've tried that, you know that that fails, that that doesn't, that doesn't work. Um, hence, a few years later, uh, I mean, I've done ministry since I was 15. I, like, have an outgoing leader profile. I think I actually was doing ministry before I was even born again, before I met the Lord, just because of the world that I grew up in. I was just thrust into things because I was a moral kid, um, but I didn't, I didn't know Jesus. There's a big difference. And um, by the time I was about 26 or 27, really started, and about 25, 26, really started to battle depression. Uh, I'd, had, I'd had tough seasons before, but there was a solid two years of my life uh, where I was a real heavy trip. 
Um, I just really, really was in the throes of depressions, was totally um, enslaved to that. Um, was, it was just, it was a bad time. It was definitely a bad time. And um, the Lord did a very powerful work in my life, um, reached into that space in the middle of deep, deep despair, and actually rebuked me. And it saved my life. I know that doesn't make sense in the natural. You're like, man, you're having a tough time, and God, God corrects you. Well, didn't you have a tougher time? Well, yes, I did. <laughs> I definitely immediately had a tougher time. <laughs> but that rebuke was the kindness of God in my life because he told me the truth. He told me the truth, you know, that I'd been living in my own strength and trying to be a man of God in my own strength. And so I was on the cyclical path of failing to do that over and over and over and over. And it damaged my relationships. Uh, it damaged uh, relationships with people, with friends, with uh, girlfriends, with authorities. I mean, it just, it touched every place in my life. God reaches in that space, rebukes me. And about a year later, I would say, I probably started the Lord Jesus. I, I'm, I'm like the one that got away, right? Like when, he's, when we sing that he like left the 99 to come for the one. You know, those are sheep. That's us. When Jesus leaves the 99 to come for the one, that's the one child of God who has gotten away. Every time in Scripture, in the New Testament, they're for the sheep. It's the people of God. It's the children of God. When Jesus leaves the 99 to come for the one, that, that's us. That's us when we've gone astray. And so I am that one who Jesus came for. I am the one that he reached in, corrected, and then literally brought me back to life. Um, it, would, it was unreal. It was, a, it was a resurrection situation where I just went from deeply in despair to not only not in despair, but all my relationships uh, around me began to experience healing uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually in every way. My relationship uh, with my church changed, with my authorities changed, um, just began a path that God began to reteach me the kingdom and began to teach me what he says about the kingdom in the word uh, and what he believes about me and what he says about me. And so all of that I share with you because I want you to understand for what I'm about to share, that's the context, right? So God has done a, a tremendous work in my life. There's a testimony of him kicking depression in the teeth of me living in a resurrected life, which Jesus says is possible now. I live by his grace that the old man has gone, the new man has come. Behold, a new creation. I've been hidden with Christ. I have the mind of Christ. But this has truly been about a three-year journey for me of really walking in that. I knew the things of God, but knowing the things of God is very, very different than knowing God. We must know him. We must know him personally. The demons know who Jesus is, and they shudder. The demons are very, very aware of who Jesus is in the cosmos, that he's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. Certainly, the demons are not following Christ. All right? It's not enough for us to know stuff about God. We must know him, and in that fellowship, he changes us from glory to glory as we behold his glory, which is hilarious. It's on like slide seven, so thank you. It was a beautiful soft toss, right, to what I was about to say. So don't let this be a heavy word, or if the Lord's doing that in your life, then slam the hammer, God. I'm just telling you, I'm letting you into my journey with this. This is something God has been doing in me 
And that is the context of what I'm about to share. So me and Gracie were on honeymoon in Costa Rica. I stayed in the fanciest hotel I've ever been in. Uh, I'm not a rich man, so when I go to like a swanky place, that is a new experience, okay? Uh, this, this Costa Rican hotel uh, was like on a volcano site, and you know, you had people who'd like driving golf carts to your door to pick you up and take you to dinner, and we had, we had these hot springs uh, where it's not like, I've been in a hot tub, but it's, it's not like a hot tub. It's actually hot water that they pipe in from the volcanoes. So it's like all natural, but it feels like an awesome hot tub, right? And now I'm like not in high school. I'm like married. So it's like holy. This is like good. I mean, I'm like I'm ready to be in a hot tub with my beautiful wife, you know? Thank you, God. And so I, uh, redemption, baby. And so I like, I'm having this amazing time just being on my honeymoon with my best friend and, uh, we're both sitting on the porch just having some like time with God, and uh, we're just reading the Word and, and worshiping. Uh, got some playlists running, and all of a sudden, the, so the volcano that, it, that was on site, uh, it had, had a lot of cloud coverage, and all of a sudden, the cloud started to lift, and we hadn't seen that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just the timing for the clouds. I prefer to think that God was doing a thing and teaching me a little lesson. And so the clouds start to lift because we haven't been able to see the top of the volcano because it was so cloudy. Um, it didn't get to the top, but it was just going quickly. The clouds were lifting. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wow, that's cool. And I really felt like the Lord impressed upon me in that moment. He said, I'm calling you higher. Okay, whatever that means. And he was like, no, I'm, I'm taking you from milk to meat. Okay. Okay. Cool. I'm sitting there, and anyways, the, we're worshiping, and about 20 minutes later, um, Gracie says, you know, babe, I felt like God was speaking to me as those clouds were lifting. I was like, really? And I was just going to play it cool and, like, not, not say anything about it. He's like, really? She's like, yeah, I feel like God is calling us higher. And I was like, Man, I think that's a good word, babe. I, I, think, I think you got something there. And so I was like, yeah, sweetheart, it's really funny. I, I actually, I took a picture on our little Instax, our little Polaroid of this mountain. It's a terrible picture. The lighting's horrible. They're like, if you looked at it, you'd be like, this, this is just terrible. Why would you take a picture of this? It's my honeymoon. It's like, this is the best picture from your honeymoon? This is terrible. Uh, but it's at our house, and it's just this mountain with clouds, and that's what it looks like. But... The Lord has been uh, consistent to remind me of that moment and to begin to explain out what that moment looks like. Now, now understand something. I, that's not exactly something I wanted to hear from God. All right? So I'm, I'm just going to put all cards on the table and, and have, like, full disclosure here. Right? So in my flesh, as a pastor in a community, as a leader of other Christians, as someone who is intentionally discipling people in the church of God, it's not really like an encouragement for God to tell me that I need to grow up. I'd be like, oh, man, I'm never talking about that to anyone. You know, I'm supposed to be leading people, you know, and God's like, I'm, I'm calling you higher. I'm going to, I'm taking you from milk to meat. And I was like, no, that's like what you tell the 16-year-old kid at D-Now. 
That's like what, you know, like we, I had a retreat. I went to camp. I got saved. It's like, yeah, now you're going to like really get after it with the Lord. Like he's going to take you from milk to meat, you know, and if six months later you're not there, then like, well, let's talk about it again. You know, it's like, no, God, I'm like 30. I've like graduated seminary and I, I, I'm a pastor. Nah. You know, like, just, I don't, just to be clear, that's like totally in my flesh. Like, I don't actually, when I, when I, before the Lord, I don't think that. I'm like, I know that God is not impressed by our resumes. You know, God's got the biggest ministry in the history of all time. I don't think anybody's catching up. So, um, but if I allowed that space in my mind, that, that would be a little embarrassing. You know, that would be like, dang, I, I really, I don't know what he means by that. Maybe, maybe there's some alternate interpretation here that doesn't mean grow up, you know? No, it means, it means grow up. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, so anyways, it's great when God deletes shame from your life because you actually get, you give freedom to other people to realize that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be in process with God. It's okay to need Jesus, that I need him to be, to be a man of God. I can't, even, I can't even follow God without God's help. And that's called grace, just FYI, but... Anyways, and so he keeps bringing it up to me. I was actually going to preach on something else. I'm just being honest. I was, I was going to preach out of Hebrews, uh, the first four chapters. I was going to preach on the rest of God and entering into the rest of God and, and what it looks like. So I told Tra- so when Travis asked you how my sermon on rest went, you'd be like, mm, God did something else. So that's what I was going to preach on. I swear to you, it's the same cycle. Every time I go in before the Lord. He keeps talking to me about this. He keeps talking to me about the transfer from milk to meat. And so I was like, you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to get in your word. I'm going to pull out those passages. I'm going to look at them because I'm pretty sure they mean grow up. But I'm just going to double check. And here we go. So a couple scriptures that, uh, if you go to the next slide, couple scriptures that are the main scriptures we're going to be in today. If you have your Bible, this is 1 Corinthians 3. If you don't have a Bible, pull it up on your phone. If you don't read the Bible, that's dumb. Don't do that. So, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3a. We're going to be in this in another passage. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you were not yet able, for you are still fleshly. Now, before we dive into this, I want to be clear about something. If you are in this room and you are a recent born-again believer, you're a new person in the faith, you're a new Christian, then actually the Bible tells you to look for spiritual milk. That's what the Bible says. It says to to be nurtured by spiritual milk. And we're going to get into what that is. But if you've known Jesus and you've been in the faith, but you've been maybe a little stagnant, then Holy Spirit, do what you will with this word. But I know for me it's been convicting. And and God's obsessed with, why, why does God want to convict us, right? We grow up with, these, with, with, with broken examples of men and women and broken authorities. And so I feel like sometimes it's easy for us to feel like God wants to convict us because he, he, he's either lame 
or just, just not fun, or he doesn't want us to have experience X, Y, or Z. No. God disciplines every child of God of whom he approves. If you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you, disciplining you, bringing you back to the same stuff, that is like, take it to the bank. You're a child of God. It is clear. When, when, when you're growing in the Lord, he prunes you. That doesn't feel good. If you allow shame and the lies of the enemy to come in, you will be embarrassed. You'll be frustrated and embarrassed and potentially why, why do I feel this way? What is going on in that space? So don't, don't allow those lies to come in. Don't allow those lies. Be free in your expression with God. And really, receive His pruning. Receive His discipline in your life. It's for your good. If God is who He says He is, which is, means that Jeremiah 29, 11 is true, that He knows the plans He has for you, if that's really true, if we really believe God is who he says he is, and he has plans for you, plans for a hope and a future and not to harm you, if that's really, really true, then I urge you to receive the discipline of God. It is not because he is lame. It is not because he wants to hold you back from experience X, Y, and Z. It is because he has great things for you. Psalm 16 says that, behold, I have a wonderful inheritance in Christ. That discipline, that pruning is removing this fleshly stuff, these hurdles that get in the way of receiving the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. So please receive the discipline of God in your life. And again, what I'm saying, again, I'm, I'm, this is my life lesson. This is like where God has me right now. So just know as I, as I share this with you passionately, it's like I'm looking in a mirror talking to myself. For Jesse to receive fully the discipline and the correction of God. If we don't have that, I'll, I'll pull it up on my comp. But if you guys get it back rolling, until then, I will make sure I'm referencing it here. The next scripture is Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. You need two main scriptures we're in today. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Concerning him, Christ, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. Ouch. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. All right, now we're going to break this down because this is, this is meaty, this is, and this is pretty, pretty direct, all right? But he's, he's speaking to believers in this context. The author of Hebrews is, and he's encouraging them, essentially, that, you know, by this time of following Christ, you really sh should, should understand more. You, you really should be able to teach others, yet you're clamoring and demanding for teachers and, and, and for elementary things of God in the faith. Man, you, you, really, you really need to eat solid food. 
You, you cannot grow up on milk. Just like a baby, like a real baby in real life, there comes a point, and nobody has to teach a baby, right? They come out of the womb, and they, they know how to, how to suckle uh, their mother's breast for nourishment. Nobody has to teach a child how to do that. You know, they, they come out with intonation, and you, you hook it up, and they get it. So, in the same way, when we're born again, we come out, man, we, we just like craving experience with God, right? It just, it kind of happens. Like, man, I, I tasted this freedom. I tasted this love that I had no idea was even possible. I need that. But if your whole life in Christ is just built upon jumping from experience to experience to experience to experience, you're not going to grow up in the faith. You're not going to, if, and I, and I did this for a long time, actually. I met Jesus when I was 15, and I had no walk with God outside of our major youth group events. It, like, wasn't present. I can look back and say that now as a 30-year-old believer and being disciplined by God a lot and him telling me the truth when I think things that aren't really true or I think half-truth. And he's like, mm, no, this is the truth. I'm like, well, that doesn't feel as good. And he's like, well, your choice what to do with it, son. And so, but I would do that. I met, I met God. I had this crazy encounter. I surrendered my life. But nothing between our biggest events on our youth group calendar had any semblance of me having a relationship with God. I just, I don't even mean like, oh, you mean you didn't have a quiet time every day? No, I just mean like I wasn't even interacting with God. I wasn't even like in that space. I didn't, I didn't want to be in a word. I, didn't, I mean, oh, so you didn't pray to God? It's like, well, no, I didn't even talk to God, much less like intentional prayer. I just wasn't even interacting with God. I had no fellowship, no relationship. That's not, that's not growing up in Christ. That's not walking with the Lord. You know, how crazy would that be if I said, yeah, man, every week me and Tommy go on a walk. Tommy, Tommy's my friend. Somebody asked Tommy, and Tommy's like, I haven't seen Jesse in a year. But I, I'm walking with Tommy. Man, I, man I, love my, I love walking with Tommy, man. Tommy's my guy. No, you're not walking with Tommy. Somehow you've tricked your mind to think that you're walking with Tommy. You're not. You know, like don't, don't believe your, your mind. You know, we have to believe the word of God. We have to believe the truth of God. We have to get it in us. We have to hide it in us. It has to, we have to be diligent, you know, because you, your mind will lie to yourself. Man, I'm walking with God. Well, are you? Are you, are you actually walking with God? Because for so long, right, that's been, that's been translated as, are you performing well as a Christian? Are you avoiding sin? Well, how do you avoid sin? You get with Jesus. I promise you, if you try to avoid sin by just avoiding sin, you, you're going to be in the lifestyle of sin. If you just try to, like, a get away, no. You've got to get with the Lord. It's not about avoiding things. That it's about being with God. And in God, see, in Christ, Christ will send you back into the things. Because the light that's in you is greater. It's the power that's in you, the one that's in you is greater than he's in the world. When you get with Jesus, he'll send you back into the stuff. You don't have to be afraid and only spend your time around Christians for fear that you'll slip off into something. You get with the Lord, and he sends you back into the crap. So that you, his light will shine through you. How can light be light unto light? 
I'm not saying we don't need fellowship. The calling on my life is to raise up the body of Christ. I wish it was to go somewhere else. I've fought that forever. But God has told me over and over and over again, you're like Peter. You have this Peter thing in your life. You're a general in the army of God. I know that God has put this assignment on my life to invest and to pour in and to raise up the body of Christ. It's honestly more attractive to me to, like, not do that. I, you know, I, I tried to go be a football coach in this town. And then God made me a youth pastor. I was like, I don't want to go be a youth pastor. I want to coach football. Come on, God. You know, I just, it wasn't my idea. So I'm telling you, don't, don't disregard the gathering together and being in fellowship with the brethren, but don't get it twisted. The light of God that's in you, it, it, it shines real brightly in the darkness. It, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't have the same effect in the light. It's good. It's good to be together. We need fellowship. We need, we need to encourage one another. We need to bear one another's burdens. Those are all biblical things. But don't get it twisted that your light shining so bright if you just surround yourself with Christians. That's, that's not the gospel. And you'll know it if you pick up your Bible and read it. So, next slide. What are the spiritual milks of the Bible? Hebrews 6, right after that, begins to explain, all right? Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity. This is awesome. Not laying, again, a foundation of repentance from dead works, which I was talking about earlier, and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings, baptism, and laying on of hands. He could take that as communal as well as baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the resurrection of the dead, which is what Jesus showed us what happened to us. That's why he went in the grave and came up. He was the first fruits. He showed us, yeah, you're going to go in the grave and come up. And eternal judgment. So these are things the author of Hebrew identifies as just basic Christianity 101. Right? Repentance from a lifestyle of sin. You've all fall short of the glory of God. Your works are dead. You know, have faith in God. Have faith in God to save you, not yourself. Be baptized. Be in community. Receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, Jesus is going to save you. He's going to raise you up from the dead. You're going to live with God forever. That's the gospel, right? Those are, those are what the author of Hebrews describes as six elementary teachings of the Bible. Go to the next slide. And again, we're going to, this is spiritual babies. Uh, I think, Asa, can you change the darkness? The, uh, I think there's a word on there, but it's hard to see. Yeah. All right, so what do spiritual babies look like? And again, let me be clear. If you're in this room and you just recently met Christ, you're in good shape. You are a spiritual infant, and that's okay. That is what you're supposed to be. But this is what we press on to towards the goal in Christ. Spiritual babies, according to Scripture, are slow to learn and not quick to listen to the leadership of God in their life. This is from verse 11, what we just read a second ago. Concerning him, Christ, we've tried much to say, and it is hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. All right, so if, and again, just ask the Lord, like, is this what my life looks like? Don't ask what it should be. Don't ask what it should be. Is this, is this what my life looks like? Two, spiritual babies have an inability to articulate faith, according to Scripture, they have dependence on other men and women of the faith. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, this is verse 12, 
You need, again, for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. So two things Scripture lays out about spiritual infants. Slow to learn, not quick to really listen to the leadership of God. Maybe they don't even know how to hear and follow God. Inability to articulate their faith. Dependence on other, other men and women of the faith. Keep going. Two more things. Scripture calls it fleshly. I, I, I've always deemed it as fleshy. I gave you milk to drink. This one we just reading. Not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you were not yet able, for you are still fleshly. All right, so there's this principle in the New Testament of putting on Christ and throwing off the old man. The old man's in the grave, but Scripture says that bitter roots spring back up and try to snatch you back. We must put on Christ. We must. There's no righteousness outside of being in Christ. We can do nothing apart from him. All right, so this fleshiness is this carnal nature that you were born with. Over time, through what we call sanctification, God renews you, right? Jessica said it earlier. We're going to get to it in a second, but it's you. You behold his glory. You get with Jesus. You get with the Lord, and he changes you. He changes you. You're becoming more like Christ. You're growing to be more like Christ. That's the purpose. Christ lives in you. Holy Spirit has come to make residence in this fragile jar of clay, extra large size, and he makes us into him. He does it. It's his work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's sanctification. This may seem elementary, but why isn't it playing out? If you've heard this, why isn't this playing out? Why, why are we stagnant in our faith? Why? And this is a question, right, that God's asking me. He's telling me. He's moving me from milk to meat. I'm like, well, God, where am I stagnant? Like, where, where have I been in the same place for like eight years? And why is that happening? Because your word is truth, right? My thoughts, your word, your word definitely wins. I know that. There's no argument there. So if your word says this, that this is what this looks like, and, and I'm starting to connect that with my life, I have to believe you, even if it's painful. Your truth supersedes everything. Four, about a spiritual baby. Inability to discern, and this is like our culture right now, 101. Inability to discern between things of God and evil things. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. I'm actually, I was talking about this with some friends the other day. These guys, they're all older than me. They're believers. And we were talking about things in our culture that Scripture would clearly say is sin. And it's not just that people in our culture are choosing sin. They're choosing a lifestyle of sin and saying that God is at peace with it. It is a different thing than we've seen before. 
I've never seen so many people in my generation choose a lifestyle of sin. Because usually when I was growing up, people did that. They just got mad at God, right? They said, well, I don't care about God. I'm not, I'm not trying to submit to God. I'm going to do what I want. Now we have a whole new crop of people that are disillusioned by the lies of the enemy that are popping up saying, no, this is my lifestyle and God's okay with it. No, he is not. They're disillusioned. They've, they've, they've lost touch with this living God and with this word. It's, it's crazy to me. It's so, and then I was reading this. I was like, okay, Lord, we, we just have to like raise up the body of Christ. We have to, we have to, we have to grow up. I have to grow up. Not for platform, not for ministry, not for success, but for my relationship and my life and my impact for the kingdom. Lord, I have to posture myself to be raised up by you. Because this is, that totally feels exactly like the world that I see all the time. An inability to discern between the things of God and evil things. And, and people will pull all kinds of sources and science and fake news and stuff. We live in this culture where, you know, everything is oversaturated with information. You know, it's really tough to figure out what's legitimate, what's not legitimate, everybody's offended at everybody. Our country is in the middle of a race war, of a gender, sexual orientation war. I mean, we must get with the Lord. We must have Holy Spirit's wisdom and discernment. The body of Christ is supposed to lead these things. We're supposed to be the city on the hill where the light can't be hidden, but a lot of times I feel like the body of Christ especially in the southeastern United States, hasn't matured. We haven't postured ourselves to grow up in the Lord. And so we're still full of jealousy and quarreling and racism, and we don't know how to, sep- we don't know how to see the truth and, and the good. We don't know how to see the difference between evil and good. You know, we, we let things slide in. We let things that God is not at peace with, we say, it's okay, he's at peace with that because we're, un- we're uncomfortable with the confrontation. We must allow what God says plainly. And I'm not saying there's not room for interpretation. Certainly there is, you know. Certainly inside of Scripture's walls, there is room on certain issues for interpretation. I'm not talking about majoring in the minors. I'm talking majoring in the majors, the major tenets of the gospel, the kingdom of God and what that looks like. I've, n- I've never seen before where so many people adamantly said that their lifestyle of what Scripture would say is, is sin. No, God is at peace with it. I've never seen that before. It is a different thing that is happening in our culture now. And we must allow God to teach us and give us grace you know, I, I look at the issue, for me, one personally, is I look at the issue of a homosexual lifestyle. Now, I believe clearly as a man of God that homosexual sin is, is homosexuality is a sin. I'm begging God. I've literally, for nine months, I've been asking God. I even signed up for a class with Bethel where they had people who previously were in committed homosexual lifestyles who had left that lifestyle and were following Jesus and not not surrendering to the temptations in their heart for homosexual sin. But the the class was canceled. But I'm just like, if anybody has any resources, because it's not like I, I don't don't pretend to have the the wisdom or the grace to, to 
fluidly walk through that conversation. You know, I only know what Scripture plainly says. But I want to have that conversation with my homosexual friends. But I have to know the weight of when I come to them and say, hey, everything about you is wrong. That's, that's terrible. I need the wisdom of God. I need, it's, it's not just enough. These trite sayings and, and things that we do, you know, I, I think they're falling short. They're falling short in the race war. They're falling short in the gender sexual orientation war. We have to get before the Lord and allow him to give us eyes of compassion to understand someone else's perspective while not compromising the truth of the word. And that radical middle can only be accessed by relationship and intimacy with Christ. If you think you're going to study your way into that, good luck. You're not going to study your way in to being an effective conversationalist and holding to the truth of God while loving your neighbor. In your flesh, that's not real. But we need it. We need it in our culture so bad. I'm asking God to, like, do it in me. You know, I'm asking him to put me in situations that make me uncomfortable, to give me grace and compassion that I don't, I don't even have, to understand how to engage and how to love and how to see the kingdom released into circles of our society that, that are popping up all the time. Next slide. These are two of my favorite scriptures about growing up in Christ, all right? The first one is 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So just to be clear, that says as we behold the glory of God, we're transformed. So if you're ever in a situation where you're, you hear someone praying and asking for the glory of God to come, and you're like, that's weird, what does that even mean? Well, at bare minimum, it means we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory as we behold the glory. So when you hear somebody ask for the glory of God to come, you say amen. It is a transformative work when the glory of God comes and you engage with it. It's not weird. It's very biblical. It may be weird in our experience. It's not weird in the context of Scripture. It's a very biblical idea. This is Ephesians 4. This is one of our mantras um, at AYA. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result of that, as a result of obtaining the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. It's saying, as a result of us being in super unity and literally being like Christ, God raising us up to his fullness, as a result of that, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. And that is what we have to have, to have kingdom impact in our culture. We have to know God. 
We have to know him. We have to get with him. And we have to get him. He has to give us the ability, his ability, the anointing, grace, whatever you want to call it, to speak truth in love. We have to have it to see kingdom released. We have to have it. But there's a cost. And I feel like ultimately, you can flip on, ultimately this is why we don't have it a lot of times. It's simple. We're just unwilling to pay the cost. It's not that it's not accessible. It's not that it's not for you. It's not that you're flawed. There's just a cost. Jesus said this in Luke 9. He said, Now large crowds were getting along with him, Jesus, and he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own mother and father and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yeah, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus said a bunch of radical stuff in the New Testament. Again, if you haven't read it, open your Bible. Don't trust anyone who speaks about it. Read the Bible for yourself. Then you can verify what they're saying is the Word of God. He said a bunch of rad stuff that was politically charged. It was, I mean, when he told the most kosher nation of people on earth, Jews and Hebrews, to eat his flesh and drink his blood. I mean, that, that was horrifically racially insensitive. Horrifically charged. That was like, man, my skin's crawling. Because it's just, when you learn Hebrew culture, you understand the things he said were radical. There's a radical cost to follow God and to see our lives play out. Like scripture plays out. Like Acts plays out. And it looks like you dying. It looks like you giving up your life. It looks like you laying it down. And when it's short of that, it doesn't look like that. Now, I'm telling you as a man who God has been unbelievably gracious and kind with me. See, the thing about God is that although this standard and this is available, he is the most kind and gracious and long-suffering person I've ever met. No one is like him. If I had a standard, a tenth of this, to anybody in my life, family, sister, wife, employee, co-worker, and they didn't do it for a year or two, I would, I would move the heck on. I'd be like, listen, this is it. And I, we've talked about it. We, I've, I've coached you through it. You just literally don't want to do it. And that's all there is to it. You just, you just literally are not doing it. You, you're fired. God is the kindest and most long-suffering with his bride, us. My, one, of my, one of my mentors used to say, he gives us a long rope. It's really, really, really hard, you know, to just totally annihilate your chance with God. I would dare say impossible. But this is what he's put forth. Die. Pick up your cross. Follow him. Give your whole life. I'll make a trade, your life for my life. That's what's on the table. And as the body of Christ, when, when we're not pursuing that, and again, this is like my thing that God's working me through. Like one of my things this past week was, and this is like so dumb, but I, I like obsessively love reading about the Georgia Bulldogs and their recruiting. I, like, I know, it's just like kind of silly, but I really love it. I really, really love following it. 
I canceled my subscription. I had to. I had to. There has to be a cost. Reading about Georgia Bulldogs is not evil. But man, it was a constant hurdle into me engaging with God. I would wake up hungry for the notes about the dogs. I was not waking up hungry for the word of God. And again, I'm not, it's not like the dogs 247 is evil. I just know how good scripture is, and I know that my heart was, was not having that experience with the word of God. A lot of times when I try to get into scripture, it feels like a thousand animals are like jumping around in my head. I'll, I'll read one passage. I have to read it like three times. And I was thinking about this, and I was like, man, I, I just really need you to mature me in my relationship with the Word. I know the Word. I grew up in church. I've been trained in seminary, blah, 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 blah. It's not about the knowledge of the things of God. It's about knowing Him. And His Word is living and active. And we go to a church that has, it's like Encounter Central, man. Really, we, we have so many encounters with God. It's amazing. But I'm telling you that if we are not as diligent about being in the Word and, and being with the Word of God, there is something drastically missing from our midst. Because Scripture says that He will be looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. And you best believe from a kid who grew up in a super conservative religious world, I'm thankful for every single supernatural encounter I've ever had that poured out the glory and the love of God in my life. But if I am not in the Word and having relationship with God and His Word, then I will continue to have infancy in areas of my life. It's not about knowing the things of God. It's about knowing God, letting the Word dwell in us richly. It's not about how many Bible verses you memorize. It's about hiding the Word of the Lord in your heart and trusting it. It's great to memorize Scripture. Awesome. Hopefully that helps you hide the word of the Lord in your heart and trust his words. We have to renew our minds, guys. We have to. And so if we don't, does that make sense? Like it's just, it's real biblical. It's real clear. But it's kind of embarrassing if you let it be to have this realization as a 30-year-old that like, hey, you, you really got to grow up, Jess, in this way. I'm so thankful that God pulled me out of depression and, and, and kicked this performance-orientated Christian thing in the teeth because now when I'm convicted, it does its job. Previously, so much shame and condemnation and all these mental Olympics about me like trying to serve God, trying to serve people. Oh, I, I, like, just, I would overanalyze everything, trying to avoid the shame that I felt. See, I don't feel shame anymore. I really don't. It's, it's, a, it's a miracle. God did a miracle in my life where my life was full of shame. Now I don't, I don't have it. It's, it. He just deleted it. I don't even know how he did it. It was like overnight in a season of life. He deleted shame. So I don't feel ashamed. And when the conviction of God comes, it moves me to change, to repent. And that's not on me. That's him. That is him doing his work. I was totally doing the other thing. He came. And he made a way, and he imparted his character into my heart that when Holy Spirit speaks and convicts, it demands a change. It demands a repentance. And so, if you're like, one example of this, if you're just begging someone to disciple you, stop. 
If you're just begging, God, please send somebody to disciple me, stop doing that. I did that for a long, long time. Long time. I would say for one month, trade out that phrase with this phrase. God, give me a hunger for you. Give me a hunger to be with you. I don't have it. Give it to me. I need it. I want to want you. I want to, I want to hunger. I want to desire to be in your presence and to be in the word. And I don't. Trade it for a month. Tell me what happens. My guess, life change. My guess, like total transformation. I don't have much money, but I'll bet a lot of money on that. I will bet money that you will have a transformation. So anyways, this really is like what God is like walking me through now. And it makes a lot more sense now that I'm married. It just like, I get why God used marriage as, as an analogy all the time in Scripture. You know, because there, there's a cost to a healthy marriage. And I'm, and I'm super blessed. I, me and my wife really love each other. We really like each other. It's a, it's a good and healthy situation. But if, if, if both of us aren't willing to pay the cost of what it takes to have a healthy marriage, man, we'll, we'll have dysfunction. We already have. We've only been married four months. And we'll have moments or times or spaces or days. And it's like, wow, I just like, I got really selfish. I just straight up didn't want to do it. I just didn't, I didn't want to get humble. I didn't, I didn't want to talk about that. I did not want that in me exposed. It's not just that when you live with somebody in covenant, you see all their stuff, all your stuff gets seen. That's the worst part. That's hard. You're like, no, 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 nobody knows. I don't even know about that. What? That's in me? Man, that's assaulting. That's like foul to the nostrils. It is bad. But there's a cost. When you pay that cost, man, you, ha- you have such a much healthier relationship with your spouse. Never perfect. Definitely healthier. Definitely headed in the right direction. In the same way as, as a disciple, when you pay the cost, man, your relationship with Christ flourishes. It flourishes. And if we want to be the world changers, the, the kingdom impactors, the people who are leading other people to Christ, discipling young men and women, younger in the faith, man, then you, you best believe. If you, if, you, if you want to be someone who God is using and anointing to go inside of whatever field you're in, music, medical, jobs, administration, you're like, man, I, I've, I've been realizing that, man, God loves me. He has a plan for me. He has his hand on my life. And, and, and Scripture says that, man, I'm the light of the world. Jesus lives in me. Okay, that's awesome. That's true. You've got to get with Jesus. We've got to be before him. We've got to be before him. We have to give him. We have to posture ourselves to get with him and let him raise us up, to teach us about the kingdom, to teach us about his heart, to give us compassion and grace. These things are not accessible in our strength. Fake versions of them are. Band-aid versions of them are. Man, but when you get hidden in Christ, walking in stride with Holy Spirit, what does God say? God, God says that nothing's impossible for him. 
nothing. How can I go home and love my family? They're terrible. They're hatred. They're full of hate. I don't know. I just really encourage you to get with the Lord. I really encourage you to put yourself before the Lord because nothing's impossible for him. And that's where the Lord has, has, has had me for about three or four months, obsessively reminding me that he's told me he's moving me from milk to meat and asking me to pay costs in my life to be the man of God that I, that I am, to walk into the callings and the anointings on my life, that he's calling me higher, and it has a higher cost. So, anyways, that's just, thank you for letting me share in my, in my journey with that, because it's, it's a humbling one. It's a humbling journey. If, um, if our worship team will come back, um, if our prayer ministers will come forward, if there's anybody in the house today um, who doesn't know the Lord, I would love to introduce you. If there's anybody who needs prayer um, for anything, anything going on in your life, we'd, lo- we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to spend time and pray with you and invest in that. And I just pray that you will allow the words of God. It's easy to look sometimes at the Bible like this archaic thing because it's been abused. People have abused Scripture for their own will, for manipulative purposes and for, for to, to enslave others to them. But that is not the Word of God. The Word of God is the words of our God. Jesus is that living Word. He's the perfect representation and manifestation of the Father, which is why everyone likely in this room is here. They came to know God more. I encourage you to allow the words of Scripture to direct your heart more than your circumstances, to allow the truth of who God says He is, who you are, and what is the kingdom, more than what you hear on the streets, more than what you hear from immature Christians. The Word of God will teach you and will guide you. And I'm thankful that we live in a Holy Spirit-driven community. But we must couple that with being diligent about being before God and being in His Word. And I'm going on that journey. So come with me. I'm changing practical things I do in my life to be a man about the Word of God. To not just know the Word. I know the Word. But the Word is alive. I, I, I want to know it like that. I want to know it like I know my wife. I want to hunger for it. And Jesus, Jesus says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, there's a guarantee, there's a promise that they'll be filled So let's go. Let's go, church. Whether you're here this summer or not, let's go. Let's get before the Lord. There's so much in this room. So many people, so many of you know that you've been called into leadership and, and into being a powerful person in the kingdom. You know it. God's told you. You know it. Man, we have to continue to put ourselves before the Lord and change our lifestyle and say no to things. 
to say yes to the time and space to be with Jesus.